0: And then they just, they lose it. And I lost it. Like I completely had mental breakdowns and just like I was in very dark places. I didn't even know I needed help until it was too late. And I was going through a lot of stuff personally. It was just like, it was just a lot. I felt so overwhelmed. So yeah, I think that now I I know ways to deal with it, but then I didn't. UP
1: Basketball is proud to bring you mental buckets a show about professionals in sports, the stories behind their careers, and the mental toughness needed to get to the next level. This podcast is sponsored by Up Basketball. Through basketball, we strive to develop hardworking and mentally tough individuals who understand their potential is unlimited. For more information on our basketball skills training, check out our website, upbtraining.com.
2: Joining us on the podcast is Kelsey Plum, San Diego native. She went on to play at University of Washington and then was the number one pick in the WNBA and currently plays for the Las Vegas Aces. She talks about the pressure she dealt with when setting records in college and the transition from college to pro as well as overcoming injuries. Kelsey
1: tells us about how she has experienced pressure and expectations in her career and what she does to help manage it. So we get into some talk about meditation and some practices she does to help navigate and approach each day. And I really appreciate her sharing her experiences because I think it's going to help out a lot of people that are listening. Just, Just starting off, like some, some background for people and, where you grew up, where you're from, you know, you grew up in Poway and you chose to go to, I believe it was La Jolla Day, was it La Jolla Day School? La
0: Jolla Country Day, that's pretty close,
1: yeah. Okay, I almost got it. <laughs> La, Jolla, La Jolla Country Day School. And, you know, how was that experience growing up just in California and growing up, you know, I know I did some research and saw your parents both played. Division I athletics was, was the whole being in athletics, part of your family from the get go, you and your sisters.
0: Oh, for sure. So I have two older sisters and a younger brother and everyone in my family, parents included played division one sports. And so I think growing up, um, it was never a thought that I wasn't going to be playing basketball. Uh, um, I know that's very like abnormal as an adult. I see that, but as a kid, it was just like, this is plan a, and there is no plan B. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, so I think for me, like, people would ask, what do you want to, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play basketball. And they're like, oh, okay, but after that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to be playing basketball. <laughs> so I think, like, for me, um, I was just sold on it from a young age. Um, but coming from a competitive family, it's really instilled a lot of things in me. And um, I'm very grateful for the upbringing that I've had. Like, my parents just never gave me anything. Uh, whether that was a piece of gum or a ride to the gym, uh, it was just you had to earn it. And so I think that I've taken that into my adult life. And obviously their method of madness worked because every kid played Division one. My sister just retired. She was playing professionally uh, volleyball in Germany. And then obviously I'm still playing. But um, yeah, I, I, I could go on and on. But that's pretty much my family.
1: What was the moment? where you knew for you it was basketball like you said your sister was volleyball i saw your dad played football and baseball at sdsu your mom played volleyball and so for you basketball what was there a moment where you just where you realized this is it yeah i uh,
0: turned on a tape of um, actually i was on espn i was watching diana play at UConn, and i watched her for like a half and i just was like I was like that's exactly what I want to do. That's exactly who I want to be like and uh, I told my mom I was like mom I just want to let you know that I'll be playing in the WNBA." and I was 10 when I said that. <laughs> I think she probably looked at me like what what happened to you but um, I was just like I just want to let you know that's what's going to happen so
2: yeah. How surreal is it then to get to play against her?
0: I mean play against her, play with her um, yeah. it's Still so to say sometimes i just have moments where i have to step back and just really um relish it because i think that you know our life and our lifestyle goes so fast and everything's onto the next onto the next um that was one of those big moments in life that i stepped back and i was just like this is so freaking cool like we talk about things in life and then for them to actually come to fruition is just um so special so for me that's always a moment even now like we'll line up against each other we'll play like I just it makes me smile
2: you've always had a a work ethic like a very very strong work ethic what um what was it when you were a kid what did you do and like what was kind of your routine and how has that morphed over the years
0: I was very um technical so I remember my dad teaching me from a very early age, like if you write your goals down and you can see them every day, um, you're way more likely to accomplish them. And so I really took that to heart. So I had a mirror in my room and uh, I would put a piece of paper and it would have like a shot chart. So every week, this is the amount of shots I'm going to make. This is where I'm going to make them from. I'm also going to, make sure that I do this, this, and this. So I was always extremely specific. Um, And I think a lot of people like thought I was just insane. I was like that weird kid that didn't fit in. I was super awkward. I had like a unibrow. I was like shaped kind of like super chubby, but then I had like chicken legs. Like I was not the kid that I think that um, growing up, you're like, oh, that kid's good at sports. I was kind of like uncoordinated un- and I just I just wanted it so bad and so I I think learning that at a young age of being so um, precise on, on exactly what I wanted and I took that to heart so then even when I got into high school I mean I would write down I'm going to shoot 52 percent from the field I'm going to shoot 43 percent from the three I'm going to average this many points this many rebounds this many assists we're going to win the state championship like I was just so specific. And I think that's how I've been my entire career. And I, I believe it. Like if you really write it down and you look at it every day, that thing sticks with you, whatever it is, sports not included, you know, life goals, whatever.
1: I'm with it. I mean, I'm totally, I mean, that's a lot of a piece of what I teach, you know, being in mental performance and sports psychology. I mean, there is something powerful about writing some stuff down. You see it every day. It sticks in your mind. And it Mm -hmm. also is showing like, look, I'm serious about this. I'm not just talking about it. Like I'm, I'm creating a plan. I'm creating, you know, a process for it. And of course you have this big giant outcome you want. Right. But then you have to take the steps to get there. And so much, I think there's a lot of focus on, we just have to, okay, look, I want to get to the WNBA. Well now it's like creating steps. How? And I think that's really cool because, because it's Mm. often overlooked. Like people talk about putting in the work But then sometimes it's like, hey, what does that even mean? And so I I did see something also when you were younger, when you were like, when you said you were 10 and you wanted to be in the WNBA and you are declaring this, right? And you would go to open gyms with your dad. Is that correct? And he had a certain set of, of, I guess, I wouldn't say rules, but parameters that he wanted the team to play with or when you played with the guys.
0: Oh, yeah. So I first started going with my dad really young and he would just, you know because i'm a little girl like i'm in middle school he'd tell the guys listen pick her pocket block her shot fowler do whatever you can like treat her like one of you because basically life will do the same and i i learned very quickly that i might be a liability on defense because of my size but if i make shots my team's gonna win and like we all know pickup right if you lose, you gotta sit for a while. Like a oh, yeah. long time. And it's 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 one of the most like you get cold and then you're just like, Bro, are you kidding me? And then you just like what do I stay even play anymore? Um and so I learned, I was like, you know what, we gotta win and I gotta make shots. And so I think like I started coming back with my dad and we would get into this routine and my dad was very helpful with this. So he's like, Plummer, if we're gonna start at seven, you need to get there at six. You need to have warmed up like shot you need to have like you know have a sweat to you whether that's like you were on the bike or on the treadmill you need to stretch out you need to do whatever you need to do strength wise because when it hits seven we're ready to play like you're not just getting into it getting up and down like we're here to win and so I learned that like my preparation was gonna help me you know win and so looking back now it's like man that was brilliant like you're teaching your kids how to do it at such a young age but um I think for me that was super helpful and has continued to be helpful.
2: That's awesome. And in, in high school, from a personal standpoint, what kind of goals did you set for yourself? Um, you know, team goals are always to win league, you know, win sections, win state. Personally, how did you push yourself and motivate yourself? Because you could already, like in high school, you could score the ball.
1: Well,
0: I think a lot of people don't know is that when I came into high school, um I was on varsity, but I was coming off the bench uh, as a freshman. And I really, like, had to scrap for playing time. And um, my team was really good. We had a bunch of Division one players on it. And so, for me, like, I think a lot of people think, like, oh, you know, you just – it's it was not easy at all. Like, I was fighting my way every day to get, like, 10, 12 minutes of PT in the game. Um. And then, so I made a decision between the summer of my freshman and sophomore year. I was like, listen, I'm going to be the sophomore of the year in California. I'm going to be the best sophomore in California. And so I went so hard that summer. I mean, just like, I think I woke up at like 5 a.m. every day. I wanted it so bad. And so I went from coming off the bench, um, being like a really, really small role player on a good team, um, so then being sophomore of the year in California, I think I averaged 20 points my sophomore year.
1: What did those mornings look like? Those 5am mornings?
0: Yeah. So there was a lot of conditioning, uh, a lot of swimming. And then it was also, I really got into my footwork. So a ton of like ladder stuff, um, quick feet stuff. And then I was working with a guy named Barry Randall and, um, he played, he played professionally for a long time a really cerebral guy, but he had a ton of stuff like two dribble pull-ups, different finishes around the rim, gyro steps. That's kind of where he taught, like, I've done a gyro step a lot, and he taught me that. Um, Just different ways to score, you know, not being limited, going right, going left, mid-range, floaters, runners, three balls, transition. So he really helped me expand my game um, instead of just kind of like catch-and-shoot or to the basket, very one-dimensional. Um, so that really helped me take the next step in my basketball journey.
2: That's great. You know, a lot lot of people at the elite level, they have to make a lot of sacrifices and you clearly sacrificed, you know, extra time, right. To, to make sure you were getting better, but you also sacrificed, um, I believe prom, right. To go play USA basketball. (laughs)
0: Yeah. As a kid, is that,
2: was that hard or for you? Is that just like, this is what I'm doing. This is my path, you know?
0: I just think I was so locked in. Um, I I kind of I kind of knew that I'd have to sacrifice a lot. You yeah. know, I wasn't given a ton size wise or anything like that, or like a freak athletically. So I knew that everything that I got, I'd have to really earn. Um, and so I just kind of was like, you know what, putting on that jersey is way better than putting on that dress. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I got at. I'd say it worked so, out pretty yeah, well. That was my motive. <laughs> oh, that's funny.
2: Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's kids everyone comes up with different things they got to face, right? And that's like for you a simple one, but for some kids, that's a it's a little bit more of a challenge because they they may not know if they they fully want it yet. Um so I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of trust in yourself already of like, hey, I'm I'm all in on this. Um it's pretty rare, you know, especially at that age. There's a lot of people who say they want it, but then they also want to do everything else. So that kind mm-hmm. of uh, faith in yourself to go all in on what you really were passionate about at that young age clearly paid off. Thank you. When you were going through, like, the recruiting process, what was that like for you? You know, you end up at Dub. What was your final four? Was there Was there anywhere else you were kind of like, huh, what if— you know, when you were going through the process, like weighing the options, or did you just know?
0: Oh no, I had no idea. So at first, I wanted to go to Tennessee. You know, like I I was super into that, but I wasn't recruited by them at all. Then I was like, you know what? Like, I think I want to go to Stanford. Um, and then Stanford decided to take uh another point guard. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, and so it was just kind of one of those things that like a lot of the big schools that I was kind of thinking about going to, uh, took other people, right? Like, oh, we already have someone. We got someone better. Um, I mean, like, I think it's so funny. I laugh now, but, like, I mean, there were certain colleges that were just, like, it, it, it's funny. It, I I always laugh about it. But, I mean, so when I was being recruited, uh, Kevin McGuff just got the job at UW, and he came to a tournament, and then he called me, And he was just like, listen, I know you don't know me, and I know UW is not good at all, um, but we're going to change that, and we'd like to just have you, like, we like you to be the person to help us do it. And I watched my sister at Oregon take them from, like, middle of the pack um, to the national championship. And I know it was a different sport, but the way that she did it, the way that the town embraced her, um, the way that she kind of put a stamp on Oregon Volleyball, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. I don't want to join him. I want to beat him. Um, so fortunately, I kind of had a blueprint laid out in front of me for what I wanted to do. And then I kind of just had to find the fit that worked best for me. And, I mean, it was, a, it was a gift sent from God, like, to this day. I mean, I'm in a dribble drive system, which is built for a left-handed player. And it's like you walk in, you're 18 years old, and the coach hands you the keys, not even to, like, Coaches say like, Oh, someone got the green light, like no 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 no, I got the freeway. <laughs> I mean it was just like we're gonna ride or die with you kids, so make it happen. So I was like, Well all right, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it.
2: Your senior year, you're set to break all these records, you end up becoming the leading scorer in women's NCAA history. Was that ever a distraction for you? All the personal accolades, all the pressure coming from outside but the papers the media what was that like
0: no it was really hard um I felt like I was so to be honest it was frustrating because you get done playing a game and you know you played a really good game you might have had 22 points you were like 8 for eleven, seven assists you won by 20 you know like any other person would do super happy with that and I was I was happy with that and you know, someone in the stands would be like dang, you you only had twenty two today. Is that gonna hurt your average? (laughs) Or like dang it, like I brought my daughter here to watch you get forty. And it's just like the expectations that have now been set are so so high. And like, you know, the Seattle Times has a countdown every day in the paper. So how many points you have left? Your professors are talking to you about it in class with other students. Like there's camera crews following you around campus. Like like I've been watching uh, Sabrina over this past year. Honestly, I just felt like I hope she's okay because like similar to what she went through in terms of the media and how stuff I had a lot on me, and it made it really hard to enjoy it because it was just so like man. I'm sorry I let you guys down. You know, I only had
2: 27.
0: (laughs) It became such such a thing. And so I think for me, um, that was one of my biggest regrets in college, looking back. Like, I didn't enjoy that process at all because it is really special, um, breaking a lot of those records and a lot of those awards. But um, for me, it was just really hard to enjoy because of so many distractions.
2: It took away from it. Like, that's not what it was about to you. It was about winning the game and you were doing that.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Did you do anything to help yourself
1: navigate through the day? And I mean that more like mentally, emotionally, just maybe for someone listening that feels a lot of pressure on themselves and maybe it might not be national. Maybe it is. Uh, Do you, did you do anything yourself personally to help yourself with that time period?
0: I didn't then. And I think that's why I had such a hard time translating to the professional level because it was just a it was like a ticking time bomb I mean I'm sure you know that like someone can only take so much of like bandwidth and pressure and not dealing with it um and then they just they lose it and I lost it like I completely had mental breakdowns and just like I was in very dark places I didn't have really I didn't even know I needed help until it was too late and I was going through a lot of stuff personally. It was just like, it was just a lot. I felt so overwhelmed. So yeah, I think that now I now I know ways to deal with it, but then I didn't.
2: For now, what are some of the ways that you kind of manage and deal with that?
0: I do different breathing exercises. Um, I meditate. I try to make sure that I at least take one day a week to do something non-basketball related. Um, I think I'm a lot more positive when i react to mistakes um those are a couple just to name a few i try to you know list things that i'm grateful for on the daily um so i think it's been a challenge these the last couple of years because like that time it takes to really wear yourself down you really need time to like help yourself get out of it so it took years like i finally like when i got hurt um It it was, I think the hardest part about getting hurt was was feeling like I finally had gotten out of it. Um, And so, like, not that I had to do it again, but um, I felt like this was my moment to kind of break through in terms of seeing, like, a different person. I'll have the opportunity next year, and I understand that. And it's just, uh, it's such a process, such a journey, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I think all those things you listed – when the way I look at them and the way I try to, to teach it too is those are pro proactive things, right proactive exercises mm. you can do to help yourself like you know the meditation, even something as simple as listing something you're grateful for or taking a day for yourself. I mean how many how many how often does that even happen for most people and and it's something I you know it's super important, especially to deal with the day to day pressures and but also it's like you're a human being first. And putting yourself first mm. will ultimately help your game in the long run, especially as we get older and and more pressures happen. It's because it's not going away. Like you can't run from it. And ultimately taking care of yourself as a human being matters.
0: Absolutely.
2: And also I think understanding, you know, when you were going through that stuff with the transition from college to pro and, and that whole senior year and everything is understanding too all that noise that you're hearing is really just that it's just noise it's just everybody else projecting Mm. and it's really hard sometimes to be able to separate that and go hey that's great that's your opinion that's your thought but that's not mine like that's not who i am or like but it's hard because we get built up and put into this thing of like okay and we start to feel it as if it was your own but it wasn't what you were thinking but it became like a a thing you had to just deal with because it kept coming up, right?
0: Right, exactly.
2: So when when you did leave, you go number one. You go to San Antonio. That rookie year, what was that from like just an adapting to a new environment? What was that like for you?
0: Oof, my rookie year was <laughs> my rookie year was tough. I think um, I was drafted to a place that really didn't want me. Um, so that that was that was tough for me. I think um, you know preseason I played really well and I got hurt. Like I blew out my ankle really bad um, right before the first game. So in me trying to be competitive, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to get back as fast as I can. And like looking back at it now, I think it's so stupid because um, really we weren't we weren't very good. And and I'm trying to rush back to prove myself. But basically, I'm. By the time I get back, I'm like on one leg and I can't move. And, you know, I got a tape cast on. Like I was just so hungry to get out there. Um, Didn't put a, you know, a good product on the floor. Right. And then I'm already mentally dealing with a lot of stuff. So performance, I didn't realize how much, and I try to tell as many people as I can now that I, that I understand it a little bit better, but like my performance, was directly correlated to my self-esteem so like if i played well i felt like i i was like worthy top of the world and i think that's so yeah and i just feel like how sad is that because you know you don't play well or things don't go well and you just think that you're worth nothing and um that's a that's a slippery slope to live on and i didn't realize i was living it because I think for four years, I only really played well. Like, yeah, you have a bad game or two, but I had played so well. So then, you know, I get to the pros and, like, I realize, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really bad. And I'm trying to figure it out. And, you know, so I finally got it towards the end, um, like in my rookie year. But it was by that time, you know, season's over and I was off to Turkey.
2: And it's it's hard when you tie your self-worth to performance um especially at the pro level because it's just it's a an ex, a crazy expectation every night to be the best every night you know somebody's going to get you they're all pros um somebody's going to have a night and it's just especially when you're young doing it like now you've got experience you can lean on different things and know how to like overcome but when you're first in and you're on a team I mean you guys also weren't good you know, so you were going in and, yeah. and trying to trying to do what you did at UW in the pros, which is just it's a lot harder to just instantly change a culture of of pros. You know, like that's just a whole different mm. environment. And like you said, a different organization who didn't necessarily back you the same way. I mean, you know what I mean? So exactly. it's a tough process to to go into at all and just to tie your self-worth to your performance it's a lot of bad days. So it's, it's allowing a
0: lot of bad days.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like a small portion of your day, you know, a game is how many minutes? 40, 40. So you're tying yourself worth to 40 minutes. So your whole day, you judged it off 40 minutes. Mm. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous when you break it down to that standpoint, there's so many minutes in the day and we're going to base how we feel off these 40 minutes.
0: Dang. It's so true.
1: Yeah, then it comes it just becomes like a roller coaster. If you if we hang our hats on results and outcomes, right? And and it's it's so interesting, you know, even some of the best shooters in the world like if you shoot 45%, you're considered really good. <laughs> and so you're failing 55% of the time. And it's uh it's it's interesting right. and, it, and it just takes like a person, you know, to and it's, we realize it's it's our own journey, right? It's not what other people are telling us and it, it ultimately I feel like it comes down to what accepting what we can't control and like really like accepting that. And it's always talked about, but until Mm. you go through it, which it sounds like you went through a lot of this process, especially starting in uh, when it really hit hard in college is man, accepting what you can't control and realizing that list of what's out of, out of your control is so long. Like that list is so long and it's, it's heavy.
0: No, it's super heavy.
1: Yeah. We do this exercise with kids and and you know, we have a, two bricks, right? These two, they're like diving bricks. And I think they both weigh like close to 15, 20 pounds and we ride on them the past or the future. Right. And you have them hold the bricks and have them carried around for a while. And eventually they're like, Oh, it's really heavy. And that's like the analogy we use with that is what it feels like to hold on to the past or future or tying yourself worth to something. And, um, I think everyone kind of walks away feeling like, Oh yeah, like I kind of get it a little
2: bit more.
0: Dang. that's super powerful
2: so after after your rookie year uh, in the WNBA like you said you went to Turkey um, what was that experience like for you because I know going overseas now you're away from everybody um, you know your your supported cast everybody that your coach your mom everybody you said that is there for you to lean on they may not be with you now and there's a time difference what was that transition like um, and then what was it also like to go from you know a not-so-great team to, again, you know, now you were competitive now. You guys were good. Um, what was that journey like?
0: Yeah. Wow, Turkey is a, um, a different beast, you know, just culturally. Obviously, it's a lot different. Um, you know, I'm not dealing with an 11-hour 11, 11 time zone difference um, to talk to my family, so just trying to navigate that. I also think, um, you know, it's just as a professional, your expectations are different. And in, in college, we, oh, that's okay. You know, next game, no worries. And in the pros, it's like, nah, if you play like that again, we'll cut you. Or like we'll bring someone else in that can do it. Um, and so learning how to kind of manage that and culturally they're just, you know, Turkey is very intense and, they want to win and they don't believe in losing and uh, playing for Fenerbahce is like a big club. And so, um, I think it was really, really good for me. Those, I played it, I played for two years. Um, those two years in Turkey were just like so good for me in terms of building character, going through situations, um, dealing with things like life experiences. I've, I feel like I've grown up tenfold and, um, it's tough because when you're in it, like, You just feel like, can I just, I I feel like I am keep taking hits to the face, you know, like I'm in a boxing match and I don't have like gloves, but um, it's been so good for me. And I know even in the years to come, it will continue to be um, really good for me. And, you know, hopefully if, who knows, the pandemic and all this stuff, but I would like to go back and play um, because I really actually enjoyed my experience when it was all said and done.
1: Yeah, you're not the first person to tell us how playing overseas has brought a lot of experiences or learning things about yourself and and how ultimately it may have been difficult at first, but has become a great experience. And is there something in your time playing overseas and in Turkey that you learned about yourself that you didn't know before? Yeah, I
0: think I learned that I really value people's opinion. And I was just like, I never thought anything of it until people had poor opinions of me. (laughs) And I'm like, why did this affect me so much? It shouldn't. Um, But it did. And so learning how to unlearn that type of behavior of like, hey, guess what? Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like the way you play. Not everyone's just going to root for you. And that's life. So get over it. And having to learn that, um, that was tough. It was really tough.
2: It's tough. It's it's kinda trying to stay even keel throughout it all, right? You don't want your highs to be too highs and your lows to be too low.
0: That's a fact.
2: What Kelsey, what's something you're most proud of?
0: I'm proud that I think through all of my journey that I have perspective and that um I still feel like like I'm the same type of person that I was from how my parents raised me. Um and I haven't really let like we change and we grow, but I haven't let things in my character change.
2: Yeah, you still hold the same values you did.
0: I try, I certainly try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: I wanna go just into this is you're overcoming an Achilles injury right now. And do you have any advice to other athletes for overcoming this type of injury?
0: Appreciate the the small battles won like today. I did a single leg calf raise and, and that to me was just like so freaking cool. Like I can't, I feel like a kid in the candy store. Um, just getting excited about the little things because it is going to be a long process and you're going to have to figure out ways to get yourself to get like get up for those moments. So every time you hit a benchmark, celebrate.
1: I think that's great because (laughs) I love hearing that from you just because there's such a, I think sports in general is like, okay, what's next? What's more like more, 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 or not satisfied. And, you know, these are common things you hear all the time, but almost like it's, it's taking this attitude of, we got to slow down, celebrate each day. We're just focused on today and what we accomplish, whether it's big, whether it's small in the, in whoever's eyes, but ultimately it's how we look at it. And that determines like Mm. our happiness, right? Like it's, it's the little things. It's not just like, kind of, kind of like this, I feel like this conversation has come full circle in a little bit, but, but it's like, yeah, you said I did that calf raise. Like, that's awesome. And we're taking that into tomorrow because it can be a, Mm. like, almost like an an injury can
2: really hurt like the identity of you. You know, this is what you do.
0: That's so true. That's so true.
2: You said you were talking to some other athletes about, you know, this process and and this injury, you know, who are some of those people if you don't mind sharing and and what kind of advice did they give you?
0: Yeah, I actually got to do a podcast the other day with uh, Stewie and KD. And for me that was, uh, it was super encouraging and uplifting because they're a little bit further on their journey. And so to be able to kind of pick their brain of what, what they're doing, um, what they kind of bumped into along the way. Obviously Stewie right now is, um, playing phenomenally to the storm and, um, watching her really, it puts me in a great peace of mind. Cause I'm just like, she literally did the same exact thing I did and came back better. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, that feels good to know that. Cause, You know, a lot of people along the way say things like, oh, it'll never be the same and blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, Katie too, just like how he's playing um, three-on-three, four-on-four, like he's just been building up and he feels really good and he feels like he has that joy back from basketball. Um, And so just kind of hearing them say certain things that I've really taken, like I've taken to heart. um, So that's really cool to have.
1: That's great. Yeah, and I think I think too. Like you, like you said, it's hearing it from other people that have gone through it and give you that that knowledge and that advice really helps. Especially from your peers. Like you can hear from other people, you could read about it, but but when it's people you respect and and have gone through it and they give you that, it's kind of like gives you that that hope and that roadmap. And not saying you can't lead yourself, but I mean. Even this this time period where there's the pandemic, right, and there's been quarantines, and it's it's still, we need that connection somehow, some way, and staying connected to others can help us get us
2: through a lot of things. Do you still have the goals up? Are they still on a mirror in the house, or are they has it morphed into something else now a little bit?
0: Well, they're on my phone. Um, okay. Because I try, I mean, I... I travel a decent amount, but I actually recently, because of the pandemic, I got out of, uh I ordered like a big, like a whiteboard, but it's a calendar and it's for a year. Um, and especially with this process that I'm going through, basically you have to hurt, hit certain benchmarks to um, continue to, you know, go further in your rehab. And so I have benchmarks on the date that I want it done. Um, and they're a couple of weeks apart cause you have to build strength and mobility and things like that. Um, but yeah, I definitely have goals and I have no problem sharing. I, I'm currently on the three on three team, uh, going to qualify for Tokyo.
1: I got, I got one last thing and what's the best habit you practice on a daily basis?
0: Ooh, can I flip that? And can I ask you what should, what habit I should have? <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me say this. I think you're already doing it in terms of, of it. we're talking, setting yourself up for the day. It's, I think it's the meditation piece. It's, you're writing down your goals, you're mm. looking at them and you're saying what you're grateful for. And to me, like if you can hit those three things, like consistently that can help you navigate through a lot of situations, right? Cause you got the gratitude to help keep your perspective and grounded. You, know, you got the meditation piece that helps you not only in your life, but in performance, right? That's a fact. And, you know, great video and I don't know, maybe you've seen it, but there's a great video of Kobe Bryant talking about how he meditates every day and he would do it for 10 minutes a day and it would just set himself up for the day. And I mean, that to me, you know, ultimate competitor right there. And, you know, I could talk about that forever, but then you have the goals and you got like, it's like you got your benchmarks and you know, you want to be, outcome aware but process focused in that and, and and that's that's what it is to me when it, if you're trying to build a foundation like i'm not just saying it to say it i really believe that and that's what i try to teach all the time is saying that quick little foundation and it doesn't take long you just that's like a 15 minute thing
0: i, I hope I that was a good answer for from you this, like, I, that was a great answer and you just you just really Pulled me in because I meditate, but I don't do it every day. So that right there is, thank you for that. I'll get on that.
1: No, for sure. It, it's it, it look, I have I have the days I miss too. I try to be as consistent as I can because I obviously teach it. But I feel like you know it, and when you look at it in that perspective too, though, it's like hey, you have to have that like bringing that self compassion because we're so easily hard on ourselves, right? And so the whole thing can just be looked at as like a practice. And it's like, oh, I miss miss meditating today. Okay, well, we'll come back tomorrow. Like We'll get it strong tomorrow. And kind of framing it even that in like a competitive way in a sense. And uh, just kind of rolling with it. It's like, the best analogy I like with it is to you're you're trying to surf the wave. You're not trying to swim against the current. And that can be applied to many things.
2: Mm. We'd like to thank Kelsey Plum. I really appreciate her coming on and sharing how she has grown as a person through the different transitions in her playing career. She mentioned she based her value on her performance as an athlete. I think it's important for us to remember not to hang our hat on the results. 40 minutes of a game should not determine who we are or our value as a human being.
1: The level of self-reflection, inner drive, and intentional improvement Kelsey has is super impressive. It's not just from a skill development or a physical level either. She intentionally sets out to improve on her mental game too. And I mentioned at the end about starting a meditation practice and the process of that. So part of that process is knowing you won't be perfect not expecting it to be perfect and being okay with that. If you miss a day, that's totally fine. You just move on and show up the next day, just like you would move on to the next play in a game. And meditation is not meant to be perfect either. You're gonna lose your focus, your mind will go everywhere sometimes, but you recognize it, you bring it back, and you can later on ask yourself, what is this teaching me? If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, download, leave a review. It would
2: really help us help more people thank you for listening. Our show is produced by Ellie Lieberman and Bianca Turner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mental Buckets, at UBB Training, and at Pat Turn with three Ts. Special thank you to Bennett Christensen for the beat and sound engineering.